This'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. Morning, Savior. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined, as always, by... Oh, it's Brendan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> you do do a very good Brian's mom's voice. Uh, I don't know if we have a name for her, but you sound much like you sound a lot like her. Uh, is Mrs. Cohen? Yeah, Mrs. It's Cohen. Just what yes. we're going with, yeah. Okay. Or uh, the the great Terry Jones, as he's known. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was Mary or uh, Barry or something like that. I lived with Mandy. Mandy. Mandy okay, yeah, so that works. Yeah, it's Mandy Cohen. Mandy Cohen. Oh man, we could connect to Mandy. Yes. Oh, spoiler alert. Maybe we'll watch a Mandy next week. We'll Maybe find we'll out. Maybe we'll watch a Mandy next week. Yeah. Uh, so welcome back to the Movie Ladder Podcast. Uh, last week we talked about Young Frankenstein. Yep. And this week, due to uh, – what would you say the connection is between – A besides parody just like the, the of a humor. well-known fable. Ah, I, I like that. Parody, parody of a well-known fable. fable. You have read that in the title for this podcast. No offense to any Christians out there who are going to take offense at me calling the story of Jesus a fable, but – you know. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not saying it's a fictional fable. You're just saying. No, it's I'm not. I'm just saying it's a or parable or. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah. I I was thinking, you know, last week we. Parable had, is a better word. Parable. Yes. Last week we had a parody of science. This week we yep. have a parody of faith. Oh yeah. So, uh, real Jack Shepard, John Locke. Situation. Real, real yeah. Shepard Locke. Well, which which would you say you're more of a fan of? Are you a Man of parody science or a man of parody faith? Ooh. Um, I I am not sure movie-wise which one I prefer, which we will get to that. Um, I think if I just had to say if I'm a man of science or man of faith, I would say I'm more of a man of science. Although I'm like a you know it's a little bit of a man of faith, not as much as our uh, previous host Av is, I would say. Right, but would you say you're a fan of things that parody faith or more than you are things that parody science? Oh, uh, I think, uh, you know, we shouldn't be parodying science in these times. I think we should be respecting science during these that's times. Fair. Yeah, so. Well, uh, I mean, at the end of things, Young Frankenstein, I think, did respect the science. Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah. Re- well, I, no, this doesn't really respect the faith, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to talk all about Monty Python, Life of Brian tonight and then at the end of the episode we'll decide on our next movie connection based on suggestions sent in from the listeners and we brought our own connections as well this is the second episode of season two our 2021 season of the movie ladder podcast so we've already started talking about life of brian but we will be full-on spoiling that movie so if you haven't watched it yet uh put a timestamp in the description so you can jump ahead but you should just pause this podcast and watch it because it's fun and everybody needs a little bit of fun right now and so if you silly. have never if you have never seen this movie, I'll go ahead and share a production tidbit with you Good. to sort of hopefully entice you. This was voted the funniest comedy of all time in Channel 4, the UK's 50th greatest comedy films of all time, beating American Pie, Groundhog Day, which we've covered, Ooh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and The Full Monty, which we've also covered. <laughs> the Full so, Monty was on that list? <laughs> yep. 
Oh, bad. Oh, no. <laughs> Redo the list. <laughs> Redo the list. <laughs> um, yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was funny. I, I ended up watching it twice, and I will share some more about why I did that mm-hmm. uh, later on. I thought it was funny. I don't think it's the funniest movie of all time. Um, I definitely don't either. Um, I think it's not even the pound for pound funniest uh, Monty Python movie. Um, I haven't. I've only seen Holy Grail, and I haven't seen Holy Grail in a very long time, so mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you. Is it the funniest movie we've covered on this podcast? Uh, reaching back to last year. Yes, it is the funniest movie we have covered on this podcast, bar none. Um, I will say no. I would say yes. It's funnier than Groundhog Day, what which about, I think probably in the shadows. The Ooh, see, that's a tougher one. You're right. I loved what we do in the shadows so much. I, er, that's tough. I would put it up there with what we do in the shadows. For sure. This it was it was definitely very funny. Um, yeah. but what I was gonna say is if you haven't seen this movie, you can watch it on Netflix, and it's only like 96 mm-hmm. minutes long or 92 yep. minutes long. It's very short. So, um, you know, go and watch this movie. You you can get through it. I watched it last night. I watched it this morning before I started working. Um, and it's quick to watch. It's fun. You'll get something out of it, I think. So I would recommend watching it on Netflix. If I didn't say that. Yeah, um, it was a quick 96 minutes on Netflix. I really um, enjoyed my viewing of it last night. It was uh, very easy to watch. I actually paused it for about a half hour while I was dealing with dinner and then um, came back to it. And yeah, it was it was a good, easy viewing experience. Yes. Uh, and uh, I haven't even gotten to how you can follow us on social media if you are not yet, but at Ladder Movie on Twitter – the movie ladder at gmail.com is how you can email us. So once we do pick our movie for next week, send in your rating, your feedback, and next movie connections to that email address. And also we are on Letterboxd. We are the movie ladder on Letterboxd. So follow us on there. You can see our watch list, which is every movie that's been suggested on this podcast, as well as the ladder from last year and the new ladder mm-hmm. from this year. So check yep. us out on there. All of those things. And tell your friends to subscribe because we're early on in season two. They can hop on board just for season two. They don't even have to go Absolutely. back to season one. Yeah. Yep. All right. And uh, obviously rate and review on iTunes. That always helps us uh, stay on the charts a little. I haven't checked there lately. I don't know if we have any new reviews, but I'll have to I'll have to check that and report back next week. Yeah. You know what? The, the, I, the iTunes reviews, they disqualify all the Android u- users. Oh, There's no way point. to really rate and review podcasts on Android. So. Mm, good point. Good point. Yeah. Um. Do you want to talk about the best movie you watched, or do you just want to get into Life of Brian? So I want to talk about the best movie I watched this week. Um, so I watch have been kind of on a tear lately since New Year's. Um, I have logged 12 films so far this year, Whoa. and we are on the 12th day of the year. Look at you. So I'm, I'm averaging a movie a day, which is better than I have ever started out um, a year before. And there are three movies that I've watched this last time I ta- that we talked that I would actually say people need to go out and watch, like immediately, that are two or newer releases and one is an older release. Um, so I watched a really excellent documentary uh, from 2020 that came up on film spotting. And as soon as they talked about it, I knew this was a movie I needed to see called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. And this is a documentary about the last day of operation of a dive bar on the outskirts of Las Vegas. Mm. 
and it basically follows the patrons and owners and bartenders of this bar as they begin to celebrate the last bar of the last day of this bar's existence. And I really, really fell in love with this documentary. It made me really sad because I just sat there and thought about trustees the yeah. entire time. Mm-hmm. And which is a dive Trust- bar that yeah. Zach and I used to frequent here in DC that I still go to occasionally and somehow is still hanging on by a thread um, of staying open during the global pandemic. And I, it made me basically just like really sad and think like, God, I hope trustees never closes. And if it does, they won't even be able to have a party like this one that mm. this bar is having to close. When did this place close in in Las Vegas? Uh, when did it close? I believe it closed in 2017. Okay. Um, but this was filmed a while ago, but just released this past year. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, it was 2019. 2019 was when they filmed this. Um, and released in 2020. It's really good. It's only 99 cents to rent on Amazon. Yeah, nice. um, what is so it called that, again? It's called Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. I've yeah. not heard anything about that. Yeah, it was. It's really, really good. I highly recommend people do it. Um, the second thing I'm going to recommend is the final film in the filmography of the late great Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. This movie is much like Life of Brian, a brisk 96 minutes on Netflix, and this has some of the most powerful performances you're gonna you're gonna watch this year. I mean, if you watch this season of Fargo, uh. Which I Graham, did. I'm sorry. I said I did. Yeah. I podcasted uh, about it. Yeah. Uh, Gwyn Thurman, who played Dr. Senator, uh, is a prominent role in Marini's Black Bottom. And of course, as I said, uh, starring the late great Chadwick Boseman as well as Viola Davis. Uh, the music is incredible. The acting is brilliant. It's based on a stage play, which you can kind of tell in the way the movie is shot. Um, and how it goes from room to room in this recording studio throughout. It all takes place in a single day, which is pretty cool, too. Um, so it's, it's kind of like our uh, One Crazy Night movies. It's One Crazy Day. Oh, um, man. I wish we would have known. We could have gotten to that at the end of last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend My Rady's Black Bottom. I think both Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman will be up for awards come Golden Globe and oscar time for their performances in this movie um definitely check it out and the final film that i'm gonna talk about and i know this is going on long um so my latest criteria watch it is kurosawa week and i watched uh the hidden fortress which honestly i knew that lucas was inspired by the hidden fortress in george lucas Lucas. that's what i said right you said well you said lucas there's lots of lucas sorry george lucas was well if you let me finish my sentence (laughs) <laughs> then the, hey, you know what people listen on double applied. speed i want to make sure that they know what you're talking about <laughs> oh my lord so i know george lucas was heavily inspired by the hidden fortress when he wrote star wars but i did not realize how heavily he took direct um elements of this movie for uh for the book of star wars um so yeah it's 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 incredible it's uh about two hours 40 minutes um it's not as good as seven samurai which i absolutely loved but Look it's still it. a really fun movie. It's a really funny movie. Um, and some of the action fight scenes um, are really, really good. It's basically about these two peasant 
workers who got get caught up in a rebellion and end up rescuing a princess. And they're basically the they're R2D2 and C3PO. They're R2D2 and C3PO. There's a Han Solo. There's a imperiled princess. There's an evil empire. It's, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's been on my watch list for a while. Uh, as you said, it was Kurosawa Week on the Criterion Challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost watched a Hidden Fortress, but because I had not seen Seven Samurai, I decided you know I should fill that blind spot. Um, I unlike you, I did not watch very many movies this week. Not sure mm-hmm. why. I don't know. If, I mean, there was a lot of football playoffs. I guess I was watching a lot of football over the weekend. Um, but I watched Seven Samurai Sunday morning, and it's good. I definitely liked it. I do not understand why it is five stars across the board from every single person I follow on Letterboxd. Because wow. it, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's it, I can't say anything bad about it. I just don't feel like when I was watching it, I was particularly moved the way I like to be when I give something five stars. Um, part of that is probably because a lot of what is in Seven Samurai is done in a lot of movies that come after it. And yeah, I need to keep that in mind that it's, this is 1954 when that movie came out. Right. Um, and so it's it was revolutionary in that way. Um, I also, you know, it was long. It did not feel that long. I appreciate that it had about a five minute intermission in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think every movie should have an intermission. It's great. It's a chance to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the second half was definitely better than the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, the final battle was great. I mean, I could see the influence on Lord of the Rings and you know so many other movies that I've I've watched. So I, I appreciate all of what it did. I thought it was very well made and I liked it, but I think my expectations were that, you know, this is the one of the top 10 movies of all time. And I mm. do not think it's in my personal top 10. Yeah, I think part of that comes from just the fact that it was so influential for an entire Western and um, crime and heist drama uh, format for the next 50 years afterwards, Mm. you know, I mean, TV shows took from this movie, movies took from this movie, it influenced every genre pretty much that you can think of, Um, and I, so I think that's why it gets a five across the board, it's because it was sort of the template, template center, you know. I mean, literally, when I clicked on Letterboxd to, to, well, I don't, I don't do star ratings if it's not for this podcast, Mm. but when I looked, every single person I'm friends with on Letterboxd is four and a half or five stars on this. Um, and you know, I, I think if I was going to give it a star rating, I would probably do four, maybe four and a half. Um, okay. and it's nothing against the movie. I just didn't feel emotionally connected to it. Right. Um, there are a ton of characters and a lot of characters to track. Yeah. Um, and I some, I felt like were developed better than others. You know, there were, you know, it, it's probably would be a movie that would be great to rewatch. Um, but it's also four hours long. So I don't know mm-hmm. when that would ever happen again. Yeah, I mean, I rated this five stars, and I, I'm i more like you in the way that I don't necessarily rate anything anymore mm-hmm. unless it's absolutely awful or I'm absolutely blown away by it. And you're like, yeah, you're very, you're very uh, online in that sense that you are either yeah. the most, uh, one Everything's star, either the worst or the best. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I did, I did give Seven Samurai five stars, and I think I, I think I stand by that. Um. But yeah, you said agree. your review said something like this movie is perfect. It's very perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely I like it. I think I would actually be more interested in a movie about all of the parts of pop culture that this movie influenced Ooh. 
than the movie itself. Like if there was a movie that was like, hey, look at the yeah. score was borrowed for, you know, for example, I could hear elements of the Mandalorian score yep. in Seven Samurai. Um, mm-hmm. You know, way Sam- Seven Samurai shows up in team up movies, heist movies, yeah. Fast and Furious, like yeah. just Magnificent I, I'm, Seven. Right. Order, yes, I'm sure yeah. there are lots of, you know, uh, ways that this movie was super influential. And that's mm. where I would be super interested. And that probably exists in a book. That's actually a really great idea for a documentary, and that would be really cool. I hope that exists. Yeah, somebody can steal that if they want. Yeah, so. please. Uh, but yeah, that was the best thing I watched this week. Um, it was that's... still very good. It just the, – the bar was super high, and it didn't quite clear it. Um, I think the other thing that's hard about star ratings too is it's like there are movies I would give five stars to, and it's because of – like they're not, per- you know, if you were like, but you right. gave X movie five. So, for example, the joke is always like my brother gave a uh, half a star to E.T. on Letterboxd. And so right. any movie that he rates and above a half star, it's like, oh, you think, you know, this Adam Sandler Netflix movie is better than E.T. Well, it's like, well, you can't compare. Exactly. If you're putting everything on a scale and you have to compare everything to everything, it's it's very hard. And even when I look back through our ratings from last year, there are movies that I gave three stars to. And then there's something I gave three and a half stars to. It's like, well, that. You can't compare those two movies because one is definitely right. – it's, it's, it's hard. That's why I don't like star ratings. Right, and it's also like you know that you could give something three stars that you actually enjoyed watching. It just didn't hit you. Right. Or you could give something five stars and go back to it and be like, actually, you know, this, this really only got five stars from me because of the mood I was in when I watched mm-hmm. it. Yes, so much you of know. that as well, yes. Yeah. And speaking of which, I think that segues nicely into talking about Monty Python's Life of Brian, which to me, I could I could have and would have said for the last 25 years that this is the best Monty Python movie ever made. This is one of my favorite comedies of all time. This movie is a five star movie to me, if you had asked. Mm-hmm. Um and I went into it with that expectation in my head because I hadn't rewatched it in a very long time. And I got to say, I came away a little disappointed for, with in my own expectations. Mm. I still really love this movie. This movie is really well written. The jokes were really, really good. The bits are really, really good. But I, I felt every bit of its 96 minutes, and that's kind of why I had to take a break at a certain point in the middle because I was just not feeling it. I was like, I need to take a break from this, walk away and come back and maybe I'll feel differently. Well, I do think much like, much like the seven samurai or much like seven samurai, Mm. this movie, I liked the second half better than the first half of this movie. Um, And so there might be part of that way. What point did you take a break? Do you remember when you paused it? So I took a break right after, um, he escapes from pilot the first time. Okay. Yeah. Um. So is that when he gets picked up by the spaceship then? Right yeah, when he gets picked up by the spaceship. Yes. Um. So this for me was a new watch. Back to back weeks of, of filling comedy blind spots, and that's great. I, I'm really glad with both this and Young Frankenstein that I've seen them. I mm-hmm. uh, I think they're very similar just in tone and. You know, there's it's it's hard to put a finger on a lot of connections directly, but I think that they are similar movies and Absolutely. they work really well as a back to back. Um, as, as we said, you know, the parody of science, parody of uh, faith, and I think this says a little. This movie says a little bit more. Um, it's got a little bit more social commentary than Young mm-hmm. Frankenstein did. 
uh, instead of just relying on the parody. So I appreciate that aspect of it. What was hard for me the first time I watched it was I couldn't understand half of what people were saying. Oh, and wow. it wasn't just the accents. It was the the jokes were moving fast and the audio quality. I don't know if it's Netflix or if it's the movie itself, but it was really hard for me to make out a lot of the dialogue. And I didn't want to put on the captions for comedy. Well, uh, it's funny because you and I started it around the same time last night. And I had a different issue with Netflix, which is when I went to watch it on Netflix, the video wouldn't even play. I was just getting audio. And I was like, this movie doesn't take place in the dark. I had to, like, st- stop it, log out of Netflix, and log back in and start the movie over. Maybe you were getting the half of the audio that I was missing. Maybe I was. Maybe I was. So I uh, wonder if there is something funky with that movie's upload to Netflix or something. Yeah, I mean, well, um, it did, it, the movie does itself look very grainy. Yeah, um, it is. It is. And, and it's... It, and part of that, and Mac brought this up, is that the movie was shot outside and was yeah. shot as low budget. So... There's a lot of ambient noise. Sure. Yeah, but there are just, you know, it's not just the crowd. I mean, a lot of times the crowd would be shouting stuff, and I'd have no idea what the crowd was mm-hmm. saying. But it was just, I felt like there were so many jokes I was missing, and I was I was feeling like I was not getting the full experience of this movie. Yeah. What I ended up doing is about halfway through the movie, my TV has a setting that's like dialogue enhancer. Okay. And I never thought that that would actually do anything. I didn't really ever want to mess with the audio setting. I put that on, and that actually... I don't know if it if it actually helped or if the if Netflix cleared up or what, but I was able to make out the last half hour of the movie a lot better than I was for the first hour. And then so this morning I went back and rewatched it with the dialogue enhancer on and I was able I didn't have any problems at all. Good. I mean, besides yeah, so some maybe. of the crowd, some of the crowd, there were some lines that were still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I could probably watch a third time with captions on right. um, because there are it is such a well written movie and there's so many funny parts that I felt like. You know, it was like I was having like FOMO that I'm I'm yeah. watching this movie and I'm not getting the full experience. Fair yeah, so. and I think that's one of the things about the last three movies that we've covered. Um, they're you know between Clue, Young Frankenstein, and this, we are in a weird, amazing comedy abyss where there are jokes on jokes, and you're gonna pick up something that you didn't notice the last time you watched. Mm-hmm. Every time you watch. Um, as far as a joke goes, or a joke is going to hit you in a different way than it did before. Um, and Money Python is really, really good at that, where they're going to give you the outrageous humor, and then they're going to follow it up with some subtle aside one-liner that's going to take you two or three times to really get. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that's what I really like about them. That's what I really appreciate about their humor. Um, you know, I, I've been a Monty Python fan for a really long time. I. Um, my first experience with Monty Python was definitely Monty Python in the Holy Grail in high school. Yes. We had a Holy Same. Grail viewing party uh, in drama club. And then I saw Meaning of Life and I saw Life of Brian. And I saw Life of Brian at a time when I was um, sort of becoming disillusioned. I grew up Catholic and started becoming disillusioned around the time of high school, like a lot of kids do. Uh, with Christianity and with my faith and Monty Python's Life of Brian hit me at such an amazing time in my life that it instantly became one of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, because this movie skewers Christianity and any faith-based religion as far as um, saviorism and cult mentality and 
what what it's what it what it means to live a fulfillable life in such a brilliant way that I instantly fell in love with it. Um, yes. And that's what I really like about this movie compared to mm-hmm. Young Frankenstein, where Young Frankenstein did a great job being a parody and had funny, mm-hmm. funny moments and good surprises. Whereas this, I felt like had more to say, um, yeah. had more to okay. say about false prophets, had more to say about the society, you know, that that is, uh, you know, captured in the Bible and, uh, and leadership and the, the way that, that people will latch on to an idea or a messiah yeah. figure or a savior. Um, and I tried to when I was looking for my connections for next week, I really tried to look for movies that follow, you know, where people follow a Messiah type figure, yeah. follow a false prophet. I actually had trouble finding, and I'm hoping yeah. our listeners have some good suggestions for those because I had trouble finding really good, uh, you know, besides like the master. Yeah. Um, and that was the first that one I kind thought of. And yeah, I left of that, that off my of list. Movie. Right. Cause I've seen the master a bunch yeah. of times before I wanted to find something new and there's really not a ton of movies about, even though I feel like there are that I could find yeah. uh, about people that are, that are following some sort of a leader. And, you know, especially, you know, talking about following somebody that you think is the savior and yeah. becoming crazed by that person. I mean, it's, it's, it's very yeah. timely to watch right now. If we look at what happened at the Capitol last week 100%. and people following this cult leader and Donald Trump to do absolutely crazy things because they have these fanatical beliefs that are grounded in this guy who just fell upwards and kept mis- being mistaken for this prophet who yeah. was just Brian. He's just Brian and Cohen. He's just Brian Cohen. Yep. Right. That's like, it. And, it, and uh, you know, and then the dark ending of this movie, I mean, it's, it's a very, I mean, talk about dark comedy. That is the, that is dark the darkest comedy. comedy that you can think of because it ends on a song, an upbeat song about death. With, and to always look on the bright side of life because with an entire row yeah. or you know Jewish section of people being crucified. Yeah, yeah it's awful. Yeah, uh, but it's but yeah, I mean, it, and I I really from a comedy perspective, from a pair, you know, you don't expect this type of comedy to absolutely actually say something. You know, I think of other spoof movies that have come up. You know, the Mel Brooks movie, Austin Powers. Yeah. Yep. None of I mean, they're all funny, but none of them actually are saying something saying something the way yeah, that and this i think movie that's does. one of the things i really love about money python like brian is it really is trying to say something and they really were trying to say something when they made this in 1979 you know this was made and produced in the uh midst of a bunch of terrible right-wing um anarchist groups that were starting to sprout up all around england mm. And so this movie Sounds sort familiar. of was commentary on that and the whole, you know, the whole Judean people's front, people's front of Judea joke is a direct rip of those types of groups. And how they were all they all basically had the same ideologies, but were arguing about minutia within that. And yet we're still like finding leaders and doing terrible things to each other, but didn't really have a real message. Mm-hmm. and. So is that what's is that what is um, highlighted with the the group that's there? I don't know. I can't remember what they're called. The Friends of Judea, or uh, was that the one that they hate? There, because there's the group, then there's a group with the same name that they hate. There was like right, uh, it's the people's the Judean people's front, the people's front of Judea, right? The popular front. Whatever happened? I thought we were the popular front. No, 
whatever happened to the copper front, he's over there. And then they call him a splitter. It's like, yeah, it's like, come on, man. Was the group that they hated the group that shows up at the end that says they're a suicide squad? Oh, yeah. Um, that was the, I ca- That's what I thought I caught at the end of the movie. Yeah, I couldn't remember what they were called. Yeah, I didn't write um, that down. Yeah, uh, they did. I, I did catch it. They said they were a suicide squad. And I said, I am not yeah. going to suggest suicide squad. We are not suggesting suicide squad. Not even the new one. No. <laughs> but. Uh, so, yeah, yeah so, I, I, I appreciate. I really appreciate what this movie did. Um, I liked it a lot better on a, on a second watch. Very rarely do I rewatch a movie within 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And I did. I actually did not feel the length the second time at all. It didn't feel stale to me. Uh, I caught new stuff in almost every scene. I really, I think, you know, one one connection that is great is the mm-hmm. Terry Jones performance versus the Igor, prefer, the Igor performance yeah. last week were very similar to me. They have um, very similar clothing, very similar walking styles, very similar mm-hmm. mannerisms. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Terry, Terry, well, it's funny because Terry Jones and Eric Idle, um, this is going to come up later in Connections, but um, one of their best friends is Marty Feldman. Marty Feldman, yes. That's who same, played yeah. Igor. So, I mean, they borrowed a lot from him as a performer for this movie and other sketches. Um, he was sort of a tangential Monty Python member himself without ever actually being inducted into the group. Um, and this movie is five years after Young Frankenstein. So this is 1979. Yep. Young Frankenstein was 74. Yeah, and a couple of years after um, Holy Grail. Yeah. Um, are there three Monty Python movies, or is this Holy so there Grail are Meaning of Life? Four main Monty Python movies, which is Meaning of Life, Life of Brian, Holy Grail, and oh, what's the fourth one? Damn it! And uh, the fourth one. Um, and now for something completely different. Yeah. Wait, is that what it's called? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I have heard. And that then phrase. there's um. But that's really just a collection of the Monty Python sketches with some extra stuff added in. Can you give um, context of what Monty? Like, I'm sure Olin knows what Monty Python is, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners. Right, do. and I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners do. So I don't really. I mean, I've heard the name Monty Python. I know that they have sketches, but is yeah, it, is Monty Python basically like the SNL of so Britain? It's a British SNL, yeah. With um, so there are six main members of Monty Python. Uh, Graham Chapman, who plays Brian Cohen in this film, he plays. He's also King Arthur in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There's John Cleese, who modern audiences are going to know for his work in uh, Fish Called Wanda, the Bond films, lots of voiceover work. Um, Terry Gilliam, who is much more well known now as a writer and director yep. of films like uh, uh, Monkeys. Club Monkeys, Fear of Living in Las Vegas. There's Eric Idle, who is personally my favorite member of the troupe, um, and the one who whose dialogue I really appreciate the most in this film. He's the snarky guy in the crucifixion scene who's like, I'm not really Brian, Brian, I'm just kidding, you know? And the he's guy, like, no, the, actually, the guy with the big my... Jew curl, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. one who calls everybody big yeah, nose. Yeah, exactly. And he calls everybody big nose, and yeah. yeah. I, I really love Eric Idle um, in this, and then he's also really great in um, in uh, Holy Grail as well as uh, as uh, Lancelot and Galahad. Or is he Lancelot or Galahad? No, he's Galahad. Um, Sorry, are, and then, uh, are Terry all the Jones, cast members – do all the cast members play lots of different people? In they do, so I'm going to get to that in a second. So then okay. there's Terry Jones, who directed this film and plays uh, Brian's mother – 
is her is his main role in this. And then Michael Palin, who is sort of the average Joe looking one of the group, he's the most indistinguishable and average of anybody else in the group. Um, And then they each play uh, six different characters in the film. So there's some of them double up even more. There's a grand total of 40 characters between the six of them in this one film. That also contributed to me having a little bit of trouble following it the first time mm-hmm. because like John Cleese is the only one who I really recognized. Right. Um, and That's so fair. I saw John Cleese in all these different roles and I'm like, wait, is that the same character? Or is that a different? Right. And then other actors looked similar, but I was like, well, is it just that they're British and they all look alike? Like, uh, you know, what, what exactly was the, uh, like is each person. And then it wasn't until, you know, about halfway through that I realized, Oh no, these are all different characters. Correct. Just yeah. And that's, that's the funny thing about, um, so the funny thing about John Cleese is he almost was going to play Brian. He really wanted to play Brian over Graham Chapman. Um, because usually he is the guy that is the most recognizable, but also is the most versatile in the amount of different characters he can play. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to do something different, and he really wanted to play Brian, and everybody else in the troupe had to convince him not to do it. Um, I am so glad that Graham Chapman played Brian because he looks as far off from a Jesus as – he's just like a very generic, dorky-looking guy. Correct. And uh, does not look like he would be a messiah at all, so he works perfectly in that role. Yeah, and John John Cleese is way too tall and recognizable. Yeah. Um, I mean, who are you going to have to do the tall centurion roles without him? You know, you're not going to get Eric Idle to do that. Yeah. Uh, John Cleese looks exactly like Richard Hatch also. Yeah, I can see that. I've always thought that they look similar, and especially in this movie. <laughs> it was like, if there was ever a Richard Hatch biopic, uh, you can really have John really Cleese play Yeah, D.H. John Cleese. God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess John Cleese is older than Richard Hatch. So. Yeah, so Monty Python was founded in 1969, by the way, and... Their first ever comedy sketch uh, is obviously called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Uh, they oh, I have been, heard of that, yes. Yeah. They so that's were, a show then, right? That's TV. Yes, show. and that was broadcast on the BBC between 1969 and 1974. Um, Marty, Marty Feldman was a writer with them on that. He also helped produce some of their live shows in the early 1980s, including Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, what? so that was so that was them coming and performing live correct yeah. like almost like i mean it's Doing funny because that's like the, like the beatles coming to america and exactly. this movie was produced by george harrison and right i was like that can't be the same george harrison no it it's, is that same george harrison, that george harrison. he even has a cameo in this film i saw that i didn't i didn't notice yeah that. and i couldn't find him either but he does um and that was i thought that was really cool yeah um what about the women in this movie so uh, there's because the women there were it seems like there's two prominent women there's one who's the follower and then one who plays Judith which yeah. uh, I appreciate that her name is Judith as a play on Judas with the speech impediment. Uh, well, the other part is her last name, name is Iscariot, so she's credited as Judith Iscariot, <laughs> and Iscariot is Judas's last name. So I thought okay, that thank was you. I, I was like, uh, yeah. you got it. You got it. Was definitely on purpose. Yeah. Sorry, I forget. Yes, I, I. That's the other thing that's hard. It's, yeah. I. I, I mean, I know the story of Jesus, but right. I was never taught the story of Jesus growing up. That's so, a good point. Uh, there are parts where I was like, is that like, was the the rebellion group, 
you know, is is that something from the story of Jesus? Was that something separate no. that they took from no, the story? No, that's that's them parodying what was happening in England in the modern times. Okay. And yeah. comparing it to things that could have been happening, mm-hmm. you know, in Roman times back then. Right. So. Um. And I do really like that uh, the Caesar character, which I, he's not oh, Caesar. He's uh, uh, Pontius Pilate, who yes. is at, uh, is the person in the Bible that crucified Jesus. I see. So the fact that he crucifies Brian in this is skewered very, very well because, mm-hmm. you know, it comes off as him doing him. Him trying to pardon someone is what happens in the Bible. Instead of pardoning Jesus, he pardons a... Oh, I can't remember what he was. He was a maybe a pickpocket or something named Barabbas. Okay. Who was next to Jesus? Did was he able to pronounce his R's? Do we know? We oh. do not know because okay. obviously you can't tell in the written word. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do like that. That there's a character who can't pronounce his R's, and then there's a biggest Dickus who can't yeah. pronounce his S's. Yep. Um, like that. That stuff was really funny. Um, biggest Dickus is really really funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I, I thought everything with Pontius uh, Pontius Pilate is that his name? He's really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought he was a he was a great character, and um, you know I don't know if it was intentional, but the costumes look like the costumes you would get like as a little kid, like the night oh, costumes yeah, you would get. Like sure. they look like they're just like plastic costumes. Yeah, it's straight parody. Yeah, yeah. It, I love that. They they basically just went to the Halloween store and they were like, "Give us all your Roman car." Right. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, and there are, there are just like such great little touches throughout this yeah. movie. Um, the vendor on the street, you know, you start early on in the movie with the vendor on the street who's selling the beards and selling the rocks. Yeah. So there um, are two points, two flats, and a packet of gravel. Always, yeah, exactly. Always cracks me up that time. Um, I love I love the stoning scene where they're just you know, are there any women here today? No, yeah. <laughs> I mean no, no. <laughs> uh, so what's the point of the spaceship scene? It's a. It just was a Deus Ex Machina to get uh-huh. him to, to be him. able to escape. I mean, and you're you're familiar with Deus Ex Machina, right? Oh yeah. Which yeah. is literally God from a machine. Right. So that it's sort of a take up on that of like, you know, God will come down and save the main character, mm-hmm. and then, you know. Right. Yeah. Out of out of nowhere, saying it's out of nowhere. Yeah. If we had any other Deus Ex Machinas that we, well, I know we're not going back to movies that much. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to back think... to the list. But... All right. Yeah. Uh, I do I do like a good Deus Ex Machina sometimes though like when I can when I can spot it and I'm like oh there's there's a Deus Ex Machina. Um, so I will talk about the part that I uh, was the toughest for me. Do you want to try to guess what was the toughest part for me? Um. Hmm. All right, I'll just question. tell you. The uh, the two jailers. That stuff was really aged poor. Yeah, that did not play well for me either with the guy it was it just the guy with the stutter who and the guy who's yeah it just yeah, i mean that, i don't know if it was supposed to be that he just had a speech impediment or if he was like mentally disabled um i think he had and a it, stutter and the other one was deaf and dumb which i right. thought well and he had like a big scar on his head so that part i was like okay he's just been like beaten over the yeah. head because this is brutal you know right. uh, roman times but the the other character with the speech impediment if that's all it was, I mean, it was just like, but then I know, I know it's 1979 and you can't judge it by 2020, but it just kept going. It, it, it seemed felt like it was, it was 15 minutes long. They, they did one, they did one bit too long with that before the end part where they 
basically said that that was all an act. Right. Yes. Because there's and, the and thing that, with and the that, so that made it a little better where right. where it's all an act, but it still didn't play well. I thought it was you know that was one rule of three that didn't work for me was those two characters because generally the rule there's a rule of three with comedy where you do a bit right. three times and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that just that that bit was bad. I, I do just, love the setup of that scene where it's like crucifixion to the left and uh, yeah. the, the character, you know, the, the guy who calls everybody big nose is like, yeah. oh, and actually they told me freedom. Yeah, uh, they did. No, it's freedom for me. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. Eric. I don't still yeah. that. Right. Like I like I like the way that they bring modern life into biblical times. Right. Um, like when the, you know, the gladiator scene and he's like, oh, I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. Just, or the part where uh, the part where Eric Idle is an ex-leper. Yes. Where he's uh, like, oh, look at, oh, me, I was cured, sir. Yeah. Who cured you? Jesus did, sir. Yeah. I was just walking around, not in my own business. All you up it comes cures me. Not even to buy your leaf. Um, like, who, would you you give, yeah. who would you give the MVP to for this movie? I'd give an MVP award. I think it's definitely Eric Idle for me. Um, okay. He has my favorite bits. He has the Loretta bit in the uh, People's Front to Judea scene. Stan, where he where yeah. Stan versus Loretta. And he yeah, wants where he baby. wants to be where he wants to be Loretta instead of Stan because he wants to have babies. Um, I, I mean that still is really funny to me. Um, I can see how some people would read that scene as um problematic, but I and I was a little worried it was going to come off problematic in this in this feeling of it, but I was actually really relieved when it wasn't. Like, I, I actually thought they handled it really well, and that they were all sort supportive of it, and they call him Loretta later in the film, which I thought was really great. Yeah, I, so, uh, I my my straight white male uh, perspective on that is I thought it was, you know, I was also worried where they were going with that, but I actually thought it it, it, it worked fine for me. Um, much much better, I think, than Mixed Nuts. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. Than, and that's but i would give my mvp if i had to give an mvp uh i think terry jones was just so, I, brian's mother is so funny to me uh right up there with igor you know that's that's like yeah. our, our so far like mount rushmore of characters that we've covered this year those right. two are are they go really well together they parallel really well yeah and she's really, the voice is so really funny great. he's really great in the window scene Yes, and I'm window, so which... I'm really glad I didn't see it. But the letterbox description for this movie spoils that he's no messiah. He's a very naughty boy, which oh, was yeah. so funny. And I'm really glad I didn't lives. know that was coming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the best lines of the movie for sure. And that Terry Jones also plays the guy in the ditch who's yeah. who took 18 years of vow of silence yeah. and uh, and finally like Brian made him say something and stepped on his foot and uh, yeah that that stuff. He, that I just thought he, he really was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. What else on this? What else? Right, what else? I have a few other produ- production tidbits that I wanted to go through. So, uh, this movie has been banned in several countries. Um, Owen also wrote in about this in his feedback. Um, so this movie was banned in Ireland until 1987. It was banned in Norway. Sweden built it as the only film ever banned in Norway when they <laughs> when they released it. Um, That's like a Monty Python joke. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, the, the the coolest thing about this is this was a few years after um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and they were all so burnt out by that process. And Graham Chapman had to go to rehab for his alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pythons all came together, went and wrote this script in the Caribbean, 
and they all seem to agree that this is their best work. Um, so they wrote this beautiful in a beautiful surrounding by the sea. Graham Chapman had finally beaten his alcoholism. There were no last-minute directorial changes, which is what happened with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And they filmed in a location where they were all happy that there was agreeable weather, and they were all felt like they did their best writing ever. When and they, they wrote all this the scene. And that's that's taken directly from the uh, com- commentary from John Cleese on the di- DVD box set. Um, John Cleese, uh, as I said, originally campaigned to be Brian. Um, he also, one other thing John Cleese really wanted was he really wanted George Lazenby to be in this role, in this movie as Jesus, mm. because he thought that would be a really great gag. And they were That's post all, his appearance as Bond, right? Yeah, exactly. And they do were we all see Jesus in this movie? We do. He's on he's on the mount when he's um oh, at the very beginning so, of the movie when uh yeah, blessed are the, the cheesemakers. Exactly. Blessed yeah. are the cheesemakers. What is that parody? What is that supposed to be? I know the me. So obviously. that's that's Jesus's famous sermon on the mount where he talks about blessed are the sorrowful, blessed are the meek, blessed are the, you know. Does he say cheesemakers or something? No, that he says like blessed cheesemakers? are the peacemakers. Oh, peacemakers. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's why I wasn't sure. What, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I wish we had Avon here their to, to have equal uh, lack of knowledge on Jesus. Yeah. All things right. Jesus. But yeah, I, I, it would have been really funny if George Lazenby was uh, in in that role just as a gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did I have? So as we said, uh, George Harrison was in this. That's pretty much all I had for production tidbits. Um, one other thing. So there were several deleted scenes that were reinserted into the film for the Criterion Laserdisc DVD feature, mm. um, including a scene where there are three shepherds. Uh, before the three wise men scene. Um, I'm, I'm glad we started with the three wise men scene. I thought that was really yeah, clever. That, was a, that and, was a great way to introduce you to what this movie was going to be about. And yeah. it wasn't even actually until the, the second watch I realized they see the actual birth of Jesus as they walk yeah. out of the, the room. I also noticed, you know, they have the shooting star overhead at the beginning yeah. of the movie. They open with that. And I was thinking, especially when I rewatched it, like, could that have been the aliens uh, the first time coming over? <laughs> Instead of a shooting star, it's actually their ship. Oh, could have been, yeah. Um, I mean, that is that is part of the story of Jesus, is that the three wise men followed a star to Nazareth, where they witnessed the birth of Jesus. Yeah, I gathered that from... Yeah. Uh, from uh, um, so there was also a deleted scene where the people's front of Judea break into Pilate's wife's, bed- wife's bedroom, only to actually be beaten up by her, which I thought um, I that that could have I I'm curious to see some of these deleted scenes. I'd be I'd be excited to to see them. Uh, there's also yeah, I wonder scene, why this movie's not on the Criterion Channel if there's a Criterion version. Um, I'm not sure. I mean I I would imagine that it just hasn't been added there yet. But mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah I I think you could probably find all of these on YouTube. I highly recommend people seek them out. There's several others. Um, but they were all reinserted uh, for the DVD release. So I'm not going to go through all of them. They're not all as fun as that. But uh, what else did we have on this? I mean, I, I think we can get to – why don't we get to listener feedback and yeah. we can see kind of what else the uh, – what else that, that brings to us. It, it is funny, the Lazby thing, because I thought the intro song reminded me of a Bond song. 
I wrote that down in my notes. Oh yeah, it's definitely a Bond. It's definitely like sounds like a Bond movie. Like the as far as like the singing style and the voice mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, for sure. Um. All right. Let's see. So go into listener feedback. Um. Yes, yeah, so we can just you know we can go off of this when things are uh yeah. when things. Nah, yeah, uh, and then, you know, we were talking about this before the pod, and I kind of agree. It's it's sometimes really hard to talk about comedy without like, and even I was doing it, you know, a few minutes ago without just repeating the jokes, right? Or, because or we are not going to be as funny like, as the yeah, I'm not going to be as funny right. unless I talk like this. Yeah, well, you you actually do the voice pretty well. I, I will give you that. I should have let you do the intro. Yeah, one. I I I I mean, being a Monty Python fan my entire life, you kind of learn how to do the I don't like spam Terry Jones uh, so how would you rank these like if you had to rank all the Monty Python movies uh mm. four three two one four three two one so this would probably be and I, I we were talking to Mac with Mac about this earlier today this is the hardest part for me and I you know I don't want to repeat myself when we get into my final score for the film right, you can think about it if you want but, to, to your final score yeah it's the biggest I, the biggest part is um distinguishing whether it's a better film or if the bits are better you know what i mean yeah but well, uh, and it's been it's i i couldn't tell you because i have only seen monty python and the holy grail and it was so long ago i outside of the the coconut scene i, I don't fair know. enough but, all right so listener feedback let's see what we got so jeff said uh it was fun to watch this again after a very long time but it was sillier than i remembered the overall mm-hmm. premise is funny of brian being mistaken for jesus but many of the jokes fall f- a bit flat uh, there are a lot of funny gags, but it wasn't laugh out loud funny. Holy Grail is a million times better than this one, but I did enjoy the rewatch. 3.5. Oh, man. So. Stefan Johnson says that pros, I laughed once. Cons, I only laughed once. Yeah, I feel like that's not a pro for a comedy if you only laugh once. I don't even think yeah. that could be a pro. What he, what he says is I'm learning from these old comedies that I do not enjoy slapstick or sketch comedy. It's just not my thing. Mm. One out of five. Did, did Stefan give a one last week as well to Young Frankenstein? I, yeah, I think he did. Um, yeah, I definitely laugh. I mean, I don't laugh out loud that much. Um, there were probably a couple of scenes when I laughed out loud, but I, I laughed internally a, a lot during this. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I did too, definitely. But if you only laugh once during a movie, during a comedy, that's you know, that's deserving of one star. And For hopefully sure. you laugh more in our next movie, even if it's The Master. Well, what Kyle say? All right. Uh, Kyle said, love this when I was younger, but haven't seen it in a while. Not as good as I remembered, but I still like it. The trans jokes aged poorly. Mm. Favorite scene is still the weird alien chase interlude. More yeah. front, full frontal nudity than I remembered. Uh, best ending of any Monty For Python sure. movie, 3.5 stars. So, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I uh, I agree. This The ending overall, This is it's, it's an ending that you can read as funny, but it's very tragic. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it, yeah. I, it's interesting that his favorite scene was the alien chase because, like, I like that mostly because I was like, oh, cool, this might give me some areas to connect to the next movie, uh, more so than like liking it in the movie itself. Um, and uh, he also put in a connection to Young Frankenstein as well. He said, uh, someone who can't speak properly but then can, Frankenstein right. uh, and the guards. So oh, I didn't oh, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Not, good point. Uh, Frankenstein's monster is what he means. Yeah. Now. Frankenstein's. Gee, it's Frankenstein's Come on, monster. Kyle. Come on. All right. Uh, Jim Crumley says I give the life of Brian a three. Uh, it has some of those classic bits, but big portions of it really dragged for me. 
Yeah, I don't. I think that's more what uh, I was saying as well. Just parts of it sort of didn't move as quickly as I remember them moving. There were some bits and scenes that lasted about 30 to 60 seconds longer than they really needed to. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I, what I like about Jim is that he's always short and sweet. Absolutely. Jim's, Jim's emails do not drag for us. They do not. Uh, I appreciate it. One scene that I haven't brought up that I really love is the graffiti conjugate the verb scene. Yes. Which I think is... could feel like it's dragging, but as somebody who took French in high school, and uh-huh. you know, I think we've all taken some foreign language, like the uh, conjugate your verbs and it's or a even command. Just English lit, like yeah. taking it, taking a classic English writing class in college, like that's that's definitely a problem I relate to. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, what did Owen have to say? Is it my turn? Yeah, okay. It is your turn. What did All Owen right. have to say? Owen, um, I'm expecting high praise from Owen. A film about discovering your birth father, battling for the freedoms of your people, finding the love of your life, being mistaken as the Messiah, being rescued by beings from outer space and sent to your early death in a painful manner. Who said British films have to be low stakes? <laughs> love the Swedish tagline. This film is so funny that it got banned in Norway. I could go on and on. I will just say it's third in my ranking of Monty Python films. So five out of five. So the nice. other two that are above this must get six out of five for Owen. Nice. Good job, yeah. Owen. All right. Molly says, I'm so glad you guys have been picking comedies lately. To me, laughter is usually the best way to deal with pain and the horrors of the world. And this is the perfect movie for that. I like Monty Python, but I had not watched this before. I loved it. So many jokes, such insightful humor. It truly holds up, even in 2021. This will definitely be on my regular comedy watch list. Five stars. Nice. Wow. That's great. And I uh, I agree. I am so glad that we picked something funny this week. Absolutely. Uh, I Yeah, I, I definitely needed it. And um, I'm glad I watched it twice. And Yeah, I'm glad you did too. Yeah. And I do think a lot of the messages are very timely for 2021 it is crazy that we picked a movie about you know being a fanatic for a uh what you think is a messianic figure who's actually just a guy named brian absolutely yep sometimes his name is just brian right and speaking of brian cohen the funny thing is is the character's name is brian cohen those of you who are rob as a podcast fans know that the host Uh, of the challenge podcast on rob as a podcast is also named brian cohen um that was the only brian cohen i knew of until last night well so uh, and I, I messaged him and I said, Brian Cohen, we've never interacted before, but we're talking about life of Brian tomorrow on the podcast. If you want it to come on, I did not hear back from him, but I would be so <laughs> curious how often a guy named Brian Cohen hears references to this movie. Well, I hope he responded in a nice British, uh, John Cleese action. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, as a kid, I heard Zach, the Lego maniac. And Zach Morris all the time. So I would imagine if your name was Brian Cohen, you would hear jokes about life of Brian and the character being named Brian Cohen all the time. So maybe he'll get back to me and I can follow up next week. Maybe he'll say, call me when when you do another Cohen Brothers movie. Oh, oh, I did not think about that as a connection. Ooh, interesting. (laughs) All right. Uh, And then Mac just put four out of five stars. Yep. So that gives us 26 divided by eight is a 3.25 average from the listeners. You know, Not I mean, shabby. Yeah, is this our most divisive movie? We had a couple five stars uh, and a one I mean, star. I, I think 
you know, obviously for this year, it definitely is. We had a couple of five stars. We had one, one, we had a three, um, scores were kind of all over the place and I kind of understand why, um, a lot of times for a comedy, it just depends the mood you're in when you watch it for sure. You know, and maybe, maybe we will, uh, do a better job picking a movie Stefan likes next week. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, there's ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's good to watch something you don't like so you can appreciate stuff you do. Yep. Right. I'm um, sure whatever it is, he'll rate it a 5.4 next time. 5.4. 5. 5. 4 out of 5. Great. 5.4 out of 5. Um, all right. So let's do our feedback or our – not our feedback. We've been, On our ratings. Our ratings. Um, so I've talked a lot about this movie and just how timely it is. I think – um, this is one of those podcasts where the more I talked about the movie, the more I appreciate it. I came in with a 3.5, um, but I am looking more on the bright side after talking to you. And I do think the idea of being crucified and having things that are terrible and singing mm-hmm. and whistling uh, while that's going on is just exactly the world we live in right now. It is so, 100% uh, the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, th- that GIF, uh, which, I mean, you can find the GIF a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I tweeted it earlier today. I do think that's like the... Uh, that's like the gif of 2020 to 2021 like <laughs> everything sucks the world's on fire and we're just singing and whistling like everything is fine so uh i'm giving this a four nice up from a 3.5 about an hour and a half ago yeah um it's really interesting so there's a lot that i still really love about this movie um there's a lot that just maybe it was just the mood i was in last night but didn't hold up as well as I remembered it. I didn't laugh as much as I remember laughing previously at this movie. And maybe part of it is because things have been so bleak lately that like it maybe rang a little too true to me on um, how, how prescient this movie was. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think this is one of the greatest comedy films ever made. Um, I came into it once again. I think I, you know, expected to give a movie a five and, again will not be able to i think i'm much closer to between you and the listeners if i could give it a 3.75 today i probably would but then i would probably knock it back up to a four tomorrow Mm -hmm. so i see no reason not to give it a four today ah nice but it's a week four because i i just i just wasn't completely feeling it and part of that i think is i think the Bits. What what we were what we were kind of getting around earlier is I think that this movie has more clever bits than funny bits, whereas Monty Python and the Holy Grail has a better, funnier, more consistent beat for beat humor, mm-hmm. and this movie has a lot of ebbs and flows in its humor, where there's a lot of lull, and then all of a sudden it hits you with a really clever joke. Um, lol not lol yeah exactly lols not lols yeah but yeah so i'm gonna give it a four um and who knows next time i watch it i may regret that and end up giving it a um higher score than that who knows um you know well it's interesting because you gave it a a low four and the average on letterbox for this movie is 3.95 which i feel like is right where you are basically yeah it's basically right where i am yeah and it's that gives us a 3.75 overall Ooh. um which i guess will bump up to a four for the purposes of is it exactly 3.75 it is exactly a 3.75 i mean i guess that's yeah, a four i guess that is by definition uh bumped up to a four definition um, yeah rounding yeah 
So every every vote mattered in this one. If you think your vote didn't every count, you you made mattered. this the difference between a four and a three point five. So don't think uh, your feedback does not have value here. Good job. So um, yeah, I I am very curious to check out the other Monty Python movies. Um, I don't yeah. know if we'll end up doing one next week again or if we'll do something different. But uh, I think I'll add Meaning of Life and um, Holy Grail to my watch list. And the fourth one, what was the fourth one again? Uh, thanks. What was it? Not Thanks for the Fish. Uh, oh, um, it's I don't know if it's technically considered a movie or not because um, I haven't had a chance to look it up. So it's uh, Money Python, Meaning of Life, Money Python, The Holy Grail, Money Python, and uh, where is it? Yeah. Life of and now for something completely different. Oh, and now for something completely different. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that that that's just a collection of Monty Python flying circus skits. So okay, so maybe it's not technically. Maybe movies. it's just the three movies. Um, I guess it is. All of yeah. will correct us. So. Yeah, I, I I remember watching that as a kid as a movie, so maybe that's where it is. Yeah. Maybe that's where um, my mix-up is. You didn't give your brain. ratings. What would you, what would you give as your rankings of of the, oh, of the so three? Oh, so I movies? think at this point it's uh. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Monty Python, Life of Brian, and Monty Python, Meaning of Life is considered the least of them. Um, I grew up watching um, now, for, now for Something Completely Different the most, just because that's the one that was always on TV. Mm-hmm. So I would catch sketches here and there, like the Dead Parrot sketch, or the Is This the Right Room for an Argument sketch, which is one of the funniest sketches of all time. Um and spam a lot is or spam. Monty Python. Yeah, right? I don't like spam. Yeah. Um and that was sort of where the idea to do this movie next came from is that, you know, parts of this movie were taken for the uh Monty Python Broadway musical Spam a lot, which debuted in the early two thousands, but the the plot itself is taken from um Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but they do a lot of the bits and songs that occurred in this movie, including Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. And I think I read that that is actually sung at British funerals a lot now. That is it? Song. Oh, yeah. wow. That's incredible. Because um, I feel like I've heard that song in other places, but I can't really place where. But I think I did see that on Wikipedia when I was doing some research. Yeah. So, um, well, that, that leads us right into connection. So um we're obviously only connecting back to young frankenstein so we talked uh we talked about marty feldman and how he used to write for monty python you just brought up spam a lot in terms of being a stage performance of this uh life of brian having that stage performance then young frankenstein has a stage version as well um and the similarities between marty feldman's character and terry jones's character in this movie um and just the the parody you know uh that 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 clever writing and parody as well. Yeah. So a couple other things uh, that connect back to Young Frankenstein. We have uh, an individual being uh, yelled at and chased by an angry mob. Um, yes. So we yeah, have the- that between the Frankenstein's monster and um, Brian here in this film, as well as so John Cleese has appeared in two different versions of Frankenstein films. So he was in the 1994 Mary Shelley's Frankenstein movie. Oh, interesting. Yep. And he was also in an animated film from 2008 called Igor. I saw that when I was looking for connections and I thought that was a real, I meant to write that down. That's a great connection. Yeah. So those were the two uh, big movie connections I found that could tie to Young Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Anything else to Young Frankenstein? Obviously, Kyle sent in that connection about a character yeah. who can't speak properly and then can. Yep. Uh, not not directly. I mean, uh, they add the normal brain, etc., with the character in the uh, dungeon. Um. Yeah, that's in like passages. You know, this has a lot of sewer systems. Yeah, um, for sure. Secret doorways and such. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Lots of being chased by angry mobs. Lots of you know. Secret plans, uh, songs, you know. Yeah. Um, the other thing, so do we are we ready for the movie map? Yeah, I like the cry at the movie map. So I this like is, the movie map. This is our uh you have to connect it back to the movie that is the most similar that we covered in in year one to this yep. movie. So what would so, you say is the movie map for you? So I found Clue to be the biggest movie map. Mm-hmm. And that was one because of the um slapstick humor and then also it's it shares a very specific moment with monty python's life of brian and that is right before the crucifixion they all sing for he's a jolly good fellow to brian as he's standing on the cross similar to um how they sing for she's a jolly good fellow to mrs peacock before Mm -hmm. she goes out and gets arrested by the fbi in one of the alternate endings in clue so that was my big, uh, big movie map connection I wrote down. All right. I think that's good. Um, you know, I do think, again, you could tie the humor similarly to what we do in the shadows, like we said last week. Yeah. Uh, but I'll go differently this week. And I will say hot fuzz Ooh. in that it's British humor. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some cast connection between this movie and hot fuzz. Was in hot I don't fuzz? remember him being in hot fuzz. Okay. Um, but I mean, hot fuzz did have Timothy Dalton in it. True. And so this in this movie almost had George Lazenby. So if you want yep. to go with that Bond connection, I mean, um, they're also parodying genre in this movie like they do in Hot Fuzz. So I think exactly. That's and yeah. uh, in Hot Fuzz and well, you know, spoiler, there's a there's a cult in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, uh, also true. You could say that oh. the people who follow Brian are a cult. Also, he di- Brian dies for the greater good. Yes. So, um, yeah, Hot Fuzz is one we don't talk about that much that we. Yeah, we don't. But I, I you know. I think I my memory of that movie is probably higher than the score I gave it. Uh, I feel like, uh, yes, yes, I agree. Um, yeah. I, I remember at the time we were not that thrilled with Hot Fuzz, which I think was kind of a hot take because people love Hot Fuzz. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I think of the Edgar Wrights, it was probably our least favorite if yeah. we had to rank those um, and, of the uh, ones we've seen. So. And just to you know, just to do a week to week, so. Uh, last year, week two, we did Reservoir Dogs. This year, oh, week two, we did Life of Brian. Very different movies. This is quite the change of pace. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we started with two horrible. We started with two amazing and graphic crime films in Fargo dramas, and Reservoir yeah. Dogs, and now we're starting with outrageous comedies. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will we keep Comedy Month going? Let's find out. Ooh, yes. Look at you. Look at you doing that segue. All right. Well, let's hop into our ladder. So we do this every week where we go through listener suggestions and we each bring our own suggestions as well. And then we will pick a movie to talk about next week and to watch. Uh, We will let you know where that's streaming. Every movie that is suggested, we add to our movie ladder letterboxed watch list. So if you're looking for something to watch, check out that watch list. There are pages and pages and pages of movie suggestions on there that have come from the listeners and the hosts. The suggestion can be anything that connects to this movie in any way that you want to make it connect. So once we do pick that movie, make sure you send in your feedback, themovieladder at gmail.com, rating, feedback, questions, comments, and then, of course, next movie connections. 
and we will see what we're going to pick next week. Um, I will say this movie gave me a lot of ideas of ways to connect, but I actually mm-hmm. struggled to pick movies that yeah, fell into sure. those categories. Uh, I had lots of categories, and I'll go through them, and yep. I just could not think of actual movies that would work. Um, so let's see how our listeners did. And uh, we will each pick, once we get through, we'll each pick a listener suggestion, and we'll pick one of the other person's suggestions to have a final four to pick for next week. Yep. All right. So we will kick things off with Jeff. He suggests Monty Python and the Holy Grail for obvious reasons. Yep. He also That'll suggests... Good direct, uh, good direct follow. I mean, that's about as direct as you can get for yep. a connection. Uh, he also suggests a fish called Wanda, which I've seen before. I think you watched it last yep. year. I did. Um, I watched it last year for my personal ladder. I really loved it. Um, I remember John Cleese and Michael Palin both in it. Um, uh, yeah, it's really, it's a really fun movie. Um, and another movie that is on my watch list and I've never seen, it is Time Bandits. Yep. Uh, Michael Palin is in it. I think there's also some writing and directing. I think Time Bandits yeah. came up a couple times for me as a connection. So I think there's a few ways that it connects. Yeah, there's some thematic comedy connections as well. Um, some interesting cast places we could go off of that. Um, yeah, it's a, I've seen it. It's been a really long time. I know I saw it in college. But sort of, you know, a lot of the movies you watch in college sort of just blend together and – you don't really remember distinctly things about them. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Stefan, he says, uh, on a connection of a character, a main character named Brian, he's suggesting Taken. That would be quite the shift in tone. It would be quite the shift. Movies. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, he also suggests The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, the actor who portrays Jesus, is in that movie. Is in that one. I don't know if that's the older Monte Cristo or the more recent version of Monte Cristo. I would imagine it's the... Uh, one that came out in the 90s? Uh, let's see. I was going to try to figure that out. Do you remember who plays Jesus? Not what at all. Is? Oh, uh, I, his name is in the cast list up, up at the top. All um, right. Let's see. I'm just – I'm looking at the uh... – Sorry. Kenneth Kenneth, Col- Kenneth Colley. Kenneth Colley is also in the Star Wars movies as Admiral Piet. I did see that, yes, in, yeah. in Empire Strikes Back and Return yeah. of the Jedi. I thought um, about going with one of those, but I did not. I don't even see – Connie Monte Cristo on here. Hmm. Well, then we have a mistake on our hands. I mean, I'm I'm just doing a quick scan. I might miss it, but it yep. would be pretty far down on the list if it is. So mm. uh, we will see if that gets picked. All right. All right. Uh, what did what did Kyle bring in? All right. Uh, Kyle brought in La Note, which means the night. After the life of Brian credits, it says, if you enjoyed this film, why not go watch La Note, one of Kubrick's yeah. top films. Well, uh, that's interesting. Oh, I, I didn't stick around for the post credit. I didn't realize there was a uh, a, uh, a mention of that. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, the second one, Shaun of the Dead. So we just talked about how Hot Fuzz was the closest connection from year one. Shaun of the Dead, a British comedy with the protagonist's name in the title. People mm-hmm. raised from the dead. The scene where two groups encounter each other in the sewer is a direct homage to Shaun in Shaun of the Dead. So interesting. Uh, and third one. Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, another Monty Python movie with life in the title. This yeah, is Kyle's personal favorite Monty Python movie. And nice. finally, uh, Rat Race, comedy including John Cleese in the ensemble. This movie that is often overlooked because of the horrible cover art, but it has some truly hilarious moments and a great cast. It's the 20th anniversary of this year, so he's interested to see how it holds up. Um, yeah, and I uh, so I just looked up five different versions of Monte, Monte Cristo and did not see Ken Colley's name in any of them. So 
I'm going to strike that entry from well, the Well, okay, so we'll say on. Monty Python to Monty Cristo. That's our, that's our connection. That sure, Monty that. Python to Monty Cristo. Yeah. Uh, Rat Race, I believe, is a remake of a movie I watched last year. Um, but I, uh, It would be – I don't know if it would be a remake. Um, it's, I mean, it uh, just came out. No, Rat Race is from 2020, 2001. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Rat Race was a remake – I can't remember the name of this movie, but there's a movie I watched last year and okay. it's like a whole bunch of, it's like a whole bunch of people all searching for something. It was very funny. So like around um, the world in 80 days. No, it's not around the world in 80 days. This is terrible podcasting, but I'm going to okay. leave all of this in. Uh, <laughs> well, let's see, I think I watched it as part of my, what is it? Come on. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. All right. I don't know. Maybe, right, maybe well, I'll come to it. Well, Jim uh, writes in and says that you. his nomination for the latter is Spartacus from 1960. It's a little backwards to watch one of the best sword and sandal movies ever after Life of Brian, but why be conventional? Mm. Also, I mean, the obvious connection is the I'm Brian scene is a direct parody of I'm Spartacus, which is the climax of Spartacus when everybody stands up and says that they are Spartacus. Oh, Interesting. So, yeah, um, it's uh, I'm Brian and so is my wife is really, really funny as well. I, I love that. that. Yeah, that that made me laugh really hard. That, that whole scene made me laugh really hard. Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. That mad, is mad world. OK, got it. Got it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Rat Race is a remake of Mad, Mad, Mad. OK, I did not. Interesting. Uh, great nomination of Spartacus. Spartacus was on my list as well as one yeah. uh, I was thinking about because I've never seen it. So. All right. Olin suggests. The Ruddles from 1978. Eric Idle co-wrote and stars in this. Cameos from other Pythons and parody of The Beatles with George Harrison having been a yep. producer for Life of Brian and has a cameo in both films. Yep. He also suggests Spartacus, Stanley Kubrick's sword and sandals epic with Kirk Douglas. Uh, film about the battle against the oppression of Roman rulers, plus a very famous scene that Brendan just spoiled that is parodied in Life of Brian. Yeah, and for sure. finally, his third nomination is Personal Services, comedy film directed by Terry Jones that was banned in Ireland. At one stage in Ireland, four mainstay films were banned in Ireland. Uh, Terry Jones directed three of them. Also, Monty Python's Meaning of Life, as well as this, and Life of Brian, starring Julie Waters as a young woman who owns a brothel. I have to say that I really enjoy Owen writing in movies that we've never heard of yeah that, no i mean i mean that with all I sincerity i mean I, know, I, I do too i do too i really want to check out the movies that he suggests even when we don't pick them because it's stuff that i would never have come across and so i really appreciate that um you know keep 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 on keeping on Olin. keep doing it this yeah, is great should we, should we name it like Olin's obscure pick of the week or something <laughs> as the uh, as a segment on this podcast well it's certainly personal services right yeah <laughs> yes not that kind though all right, uh, Mac suggested Last Temptation of Christ. Is yep. that Scorsese that made that? That is the Scorsese uh, Sword and Sandals Story of Jesus movie that was made in the 80s that was, like, one of the most expensive movies ever made. I believe that's Willem Dafoe as Jesus. Oh, interesting. Um, I've only seen – I've seen The Passion of the Christ. I saw that, but I've never mm. seen Last Temptation. So. All right, and then finally, Molly rounds us out. All Terry Gilliam suggestions. Right. 12 Monkeys, The Fisher King, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Do you um, want to go I've, first or second with yours? I will go first. And luckily, none of my picks were taken 
but there are some similar movies to some that other people suggested. So my first pick is I thought about a movie that I've never seen that also has a similar Life of Blank title, and that's the movie from the 2000s, The Life of Pi. Ah, I, I really seen, like that movie. I've never seen Life of Pi. I thought it would be fun to put that in there and just do a straight-up title connection, Life mm-hmm. of. Um, I also wanted to throw in the musical about Jesus from the 1970s, Jesus Christ Superstar. Ah. And then I'm also going to throw in... Uh, so the Roman soldiers in this movie are called centurions. There's a lot of striking centurion, etc., in Life of Brian, and I did not know this until I looked up thematic connections. There's a 2010 Michael Fassbender movie called The Centurion that is about Roman gladiators who are exiled from Rome. And I was like, I've never heard of this movie. It's probably awful, but I'm going to suggest it anyway. So we've got uh, Life of Pi, Jesus Christ Superstar, The Centurion, and my final selection is another Terry Gilliam film, one that has been on my watch list for a really long time that I know your brother would be excited about, Brazil. Ah, uh, this as well. Ah. Yeah. I wondered if you were going to have any crossover. That was on mine. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I have a ton of movies written down, so okay, no problem good. taking Because you said off. you were struggling, so I was a little worried. I, so I, I didn't have any know, honorable mentions yeah, this week. So. I, I was struggling, but I still came up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies. So, <laughs> the struggle uh, is real. Yeah. Um, but not all of them are great. I think it was better – I had better ideas, like concepts yeah. for movies, so like the – Obviously, there was a lot of actors and crew connections. Brazil was one that came up. Terry Gilliam, obviously. Um, Brazil has been on my watch list for over a year and um, supposed to be great. Um, I also wrote down Sword and Sandal movies, which we've talked about a little bit. Uh, Spaceships, I thought, could be, you know, specifically like alien abduction could be a way that we could go. Um, And then I wrote down False Prophets and was thinking there could be all kinds of False Prophet movies. And I really struggled to find good ones to suggest. Um, and just religion me, in general. Yeah, like, the, that was the biggest problem for me was um, finding movies that sounded interesting enough that I hadn't seen mm-hmm. that still thematically connected enough, you know, yeah. and that was that was going to be the biggest problem for me. And that so a lot of movies just I struck outright because I had seen them recently or the connection wasn't quite good enough. Um, yeah. So the three. So I'll take three off my list out of that ten. Brazil. Right. Meaning of Life and Spartacus, because all three of those were suggested already. Um, I will suggest one, which is uh, one I saw when I was a lot younger and I did not understand it at all. It is a Kevin Smith movie. It's about religion. It's called Dogma. Um, I do not remember much about it and did not think I really understood it when I was younger. So I'd be interested in revisiting it. Um, The next is a straight uh, connection based on a line. And it's a movie that I liked when I saw. Um, Also, you brought up the Coen brothers. I did not even think about that. But that's Hail Caesar. They always say Hail Caesar when they walk in. Um, all right, then I'll take a couple off my list. One I had on my list was Silence. I just don't think that's a very good connection. But, you know, Martin Scorsese's movie about religion. I think if we're going to go Scorsese movie about religion, there's a better pick there. Uh, I put down Ordet, which I think is also about religion, but I just I don't think that's the right move now. Um, and I had Gladiator as well. Um, I'm going to take Gladiator off because I think, again, if we're going to do Gladiator, we might as well do Spartacus. Because I think that's a blind spot for both of us, I believe. 
So, uh, but I will add two more, and this is in the uh, the spaceship uh, alien abduction. One is Fire in the Sky from the early 90s. Ooh, by the guy who classic HBO movie. Never nice. seen it. Um, and the other is another one that uh, it's a parody movie. It focuses okay. on aliens attacking. I've never seen it. It's got a um, it's got quite the ensemble cast, and that is Mars Attacks. Ooh, so Dogma. Hail Caesar and Mars Attacks are my three, my four that I suggest. Interesting picks. Interesting picks. Well, I am going to go ahead and take my pick. Oh, from... I get to go first. Okay, fine. You go That's first. I, I, I suggest a second. So um, I'll take uh, Spartacus. I don't follow the rules. Right. Yeah, somebody was going to take Spartacus. I mean, have you seen Spartacus? I have seen Spartacus. Oh, um, okay. I took a Cooper class in college. Oh, um, and Spartacus was one of the movies we had to watch. So, yeah, my only concern with Spartacus is that it is very long. It is um, very long. Yeah. But you know what? We're all stuck at home. We can do a long movie. Exactly. What, what else do you have to do? Um, it's certainly not an uplifting movie. <laughs> um, it's a, you know, it's, and it, but it's also like Stanley Kubrick's most commercial movie. He was forced to direct it from the, uh, by the studios in order to be able to make the types of movies he really wanted to make. Um, they said, well, you got to direct this movie because it's in your contract. So nice. it's certainly outside the, outside the box. For, it's not uh, what I think of when I think of Kubrick movies. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I am going to go ahead and take my listener pick and I am going to go with, what do I want to, Go with, go with, go with, go oh, with, you know what we didn't do? We were supposed to read off all the movies that were suggested, and that's uh, your yeah. job now. Why don't I do that? So, since I just scrolled yeah. up to the top. Yeah. So we have uh, Jeff wrote Monty Python's Life of Gr- I'm sorry, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, A Fish Called Wanda, Time Bandits. We have Taken, The Count of Monte Cristo, La Nata, Shaun of the Dead, Monty Python's Meaning of Life, Rat Race, Spartacus. The Ruddles, Spartacus Again, Personal Services, The Last Temptation of Christ, Twelve Monkeys, The Fisher King, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. There we go. All right. Oh, no, you got to read our connections, too. Oh, yeah. Duh. Life of Pi, <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar, The Centurion, Brazil, Dogma, Hail Caesar, Hail Caesar, sorry, Fire in the Sky, and Mars Attacks. You're failing at your new job, Brendan. I am 100%. You got more responsibilities in year two and you're failing. On brand with this podcast. On brand with this movie. All right. Now I will pick Spartacus. Commitment to the bit. All right. And I am going to pick a movie that I have never seen. And I'm going to pick the Beatles parody, The Ruddles. Oh, man. Uh, I think that would be really fun. Let's see if let's see if anybody has seen the Ruddles. Well, Olin's probably saw it. Or probably seen it. And we don't really do a lot. Of, we we haven't really done a lot of music movies. We've done The Doors, and that was not a fun watch. Um, uh, I think this would be really fun. The Ruddles: colon, All you need is cash. There's Perfect. also The Ruddles too. Can't buy me lunch from 2002. <laughs> um, Love it. This one's barely a movie. This is 76 minutes. So we've got two ends of the spectrum here. We've got uh, three hours or 76 minutes. Um, All right. What what do you got? Finish this off. All right. Let's see. So I get to pick from yours. Um, 
I, I have to go with Brazil, but I think Life of Pi would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know if people really want to watch Life of Pi. You should see that, though. Add that to your watch list. It's good. But I'm going to pick Brazil. You're going to pick Brazil. All right, great. And I am going to pick one that I know we've both seen, but if we want Comedy Month to continue, I think that we need to go back to our Coen Brothers roots and pick Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Brian Coen Brothers, even though it's spelled exactly. a little differently. By the Brian Coen Brothers. Featuring Caesar. Hail Caesar, sir. Yes. Uh, so is Brazil and the Ruddles the only ones that neither of us have seen? Correct. Um, let's see. Streaming-wise, right Brazil not streaming. It. I mean, Brazil is for rental. Um, oh, man. But it has five stars from a lot of our listeners, um, including Molly and my brother well. and uh, a couple other people that I follow. Uh, Hail Caesar is on Netflix. So that's a yep. feather in its cap. Also, lots of high ratings. Although this one's a little polarizing. The yep. overall rating is a three, but people who we know all rated this very highly. Would that it were so simple? Uh, the Ruddles is on Hoopla oh, and Amazon as well. Um, so you got to get that library subscription. Hoopla might be tough for some people. It's the only yeah. problem. And what, what, Sp- Spartacus is not anywhere. It's for rental, but you will get your money's worth because it is... 197 minutes, which, what is that, three hours and 27 minutes? Is that Correct. Three uh, hours, 27 minutes. I'm hoping minutes. we're getting an intermission in that one. I'm sure we are. Yeah. Um, I think it's between Spartacus and Brazil, to be oh, clear. I was going to say Spartacus and Hail Caesar. Ooh. I, I'm interested in the Ruddles. I just think the, the yeah. Hoopla thing makes it a little bit tough. And, like, 76 minutes. Like, There's not going to be gonna... much to talk about. No, yeah, that's, that's my concern. Um. I wish you hadn't seen Spartacus, because I feel like if you hadn't seen it, it would be a lock. It would be the it would be the lock, yeah. Um, let's see. What do we got connection wise? Are there any I mean Terry Gilliam, are there any other connections besides Terry Gilliam? To Brazil? Brazil? Not that I'm aware of, no. Um I mean there might be a random actor cameo or something. Hail Caesar would be fun too. Um Hail Caesar would be really fun. And it'd be our third comedy in comedy month. Um you're yeah, not getting think, any comedy in, in in Spartacus or Brazil, I think. Yeah. Um. Let's do it. Let's do Hail Caesar. It's on Netflix. Why not? Yeah, people people subscribe to Netflix in order to watch uh in order to watch Life of Brian. Um, it's a rewatch. We did say we wanted to do new movies, and this looks like it's going to be a rewatch for just about everybody. Um. But that's okay. I can. Well, well hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's right. not a comedy I want to switch it out for unless you want to do Monty Python and the Meaning of Life. Uh, I think this movie was so divisive. We're gonna we're gonna lose Stefan Johnson if we do back to back Monty Python movies. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, why don't it's we too, do? It's too late. Too late to switch out. We're picking Spartacus, Brazil, or Hail Caesar. One of those three. I kind of think we should watch Spartacus. To be quite honest with you. All right. I think I mean, it's the most I think it's the best connection. I think it will be a different type of film than we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll get a lot of good listener um I think we'll get some good listener feedback for that one. I think especially because we could talk about Kubrick and the legacy of Kubrick. It can put us in some really interesting directions. So Av well, and Kyle both have it on their watch list. My vote is my vote is going to go for Spartacus. Um, you and Nolan are the only listeners that look like you've actually seen the movie. So hopefully it's a yeah. new one for a lot of people. 
And you know, it's uh, been 20 years. Well, we can see what, what we can see what Kirk Douglas is all about. Exactly. Yeah. Celebrate Kirk Douglas. And yeah. we also don't go to the 1960s a whole lot. No, this might be our oldest movie that we've Yeah, done. this might be our oldest movie so far. So I think we should go for it. The other one I was thinking about suggesting that I didn't put in and would have been in my also rants is Ben-Hur for a classic um, sword and sandal movie. But I think Spartacus is the better choice. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about Ben-Hur as well. Is that even longer than Spartacus? It is. Yeah, it's even longer. Than I that. mean, I, I love Kubrick. Is this the first Kubrick movie we're doing? This will be the first Kubrick movie that we're doing as well. Um. And I believe on a brief scan. Oh, no, it's not the oldest because the birds was older. Was it? Uh, no, birds is 1963. Just yeah. kidding. So this is older than the birds. This is older than Harold and Maude. Yep. Uh, I know. Uh, we. I'm going back in time and we're not supposed to do that. So oh, Citizen Kane get, is the oldest yeah. movie we've done. Duh. Oh, well, duh. And we'll, so we'll get to see a young Kirk Douglas, a young Tony Curtis, sorted sandals, sword bikes. Yeah. It'll be different. Races. Yeah, this will be fun. This will be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. So you're going to have to carve out a little bit of time, but it's a holiday weekend. It's a three-day weekend, so you exactly. watch it on, uh, on well, MLK Day. And I'm also not working on Wednesday either, so there you go. Oh, well, yeah. like as in tomorrow? No, as in next Wednesday. Oh, that's going to be after we record. I know, but I'm just saying. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> or we so. could do the 2004 remake of Spartacus. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I already have one suggestion off of Spartacus without even watching it, so it's always oh, no. good when I have a suggestion before we even start. So, uh, <laughs> all right, it. we are Spartacus, and uh, I know exactly what your connection is too. Yeah, it's, if oh you know me God. at all, you know exactly. Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Next week we're watching Spartacus. You do have to pay to rent it, but you will get your money's worth. It Absolutely. is four dollars. It looks like to rent, and uh, you're, what are you paying? About a dollar an hour. It's, uh, that's, something like that. That's yeah, cheaper I, than parking. So. So can can I just can I just read the tagline for this movie, the movie logline? As long as it doesn't Spart- spoil the best joke no. in the movie. No, it doesn't. But so Spartacus, they trained him to kill for their pleasure, but they trained him a little too well. Ooh. Sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like a tagline for like Taken or something. Yeah, I know, right? Like, what is this? <laughs> is Spartacus right, on it like uh, AFI list or anything like that? Uh, that's a good question. I will have to find that out during my research. I will yeah. do my research. Next week. Um, Next all right, cool. Week. So we're talking about Spartacus from 1960, directed by Stanley Kubrick. The connection is it's a uh, gladiator movie, which is parodied in Life of Brian. Um, also some direct parodies in Life of Brian to Spartacus. So, yep. And we'll find other connections. I'm sure we when will. When we do the podcast next week. Yep. So sorry Hell for making you have to pay to rent one, but... Uh, the last two have been streaming for free, so you know. I think you guys, I, th- I really think you guys will enjoy this one. So, glad if you like gladiator movies, Spartacus is your shit. Hoping for an intermission. That's that's the one. Give me an intermission. There's Don't tell me if there is one. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> I will turn it up loud and I will watch Spartacus. Um. All right. Well, what are you planning to watch this week other than Spartacus? Uh. So, WandaVision premieres on Friday. I'm really excited for that on Disney. Uh, that should Disney be really Plus. fun. Yeah, the Disney Plus. Sorry. Uops. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been excited for WandaVision. Um, hopefully it's gonna be really fun. Uh, that's the main thing. And then there's a movie coming out on Amazon that's gotten a lot of Oscar buzz. Like they've been talking about it on Film Spotting and on Amazon called One Night in Miami. Ah yes, I've seen a lot of. And, yeah, and it basically chronicles uh 
one night at a Miami hotel after a uh, Muhammad Ali boxing fight where Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, and Jim Brown got together and had a wild night at a bar talking about life and politics and social justice and et cetera. Um, and so that, that sounds like a really cool movie. I'm excited to check that out. So those are my two big things this weekend besides Spartacus. Um, all right. Well, for me, I have wrapped up all the small acts movies on my personal Ooh. movie ladder. And yes. the last one was education. So it was all about the education system and some segregation and social issues around education I don't know where to go next. I need a movie about the education system to watch next. I was thinking Stand and Deliver, maybe. Yeah, Stand and um, Deliver is really good. Edward James almost. Yeah, so that was my thought. Um, and it sounds like you co-signed that. So yeah, that I would co-sign sense. that. Or you can go with, like, uh, Dangerous Minds, The Substitute. It depends how weird you want to get, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the other lean thing on that... Me. Lean on Have Me. Have you seen Lean on Me with Morgan uh, Freeman? Uh, I don't think so. You should watch that then. That, that would be the most direct comparison, I think. All right. We'll see. Um, uh, Small Axe was very good. Um, I think there were yeah. some that were great. The last one, I the education was my least favorite of all of them. Okay. Um, but the, that one was like a little over an hour. Yeah. I still and, check all of those out. So. Yeah. And for the Criterion Challenge this week, it is Jean-Luc Godard week. Nice. So you and I have – neither of us have seen any Jean-Luc Godard movies, so we we're both going to watch the same one. We're both going to watch Breathless this week. Absolutely. Good God, Godard. Yeah, so uh, that should Sorry be interesting. That. I have no idea yeah. what to expect. I have no idea what to expect either, but uh, make sure you have your glasses on so you can read those subtitles. I don't need glasses anymore. Oh, yeah, Mr. Captain Masick over here. Yeah. Um, 2020, uh, 2020 and 2021, that's what I'm saying it's about the my new Zach Brooks. Yeah, new face. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today to, or today, whenever you're listening, to talk about Monty Python and whole and Monty Python and Life of Brian. Uh, next <laughs> week, we are watching Spartacus because of the sword and sandal and parody connection. And I'm sure we'll find lots of other connections. So uh, Spartacus available for rental. Just a little over a dollar an hour is what you're going to pay for that. So. Um, All right. We'll and a third a third blind spot for me. Are we just going to do Zach's blind spot month? I think we January? are. I think that's what this is turning out to be is yeah. Black's, Zach's blind spots and then We'll see what happens in February. In February, we're going to do Brendan's blind spots. Fun. So, yeah. All right. We'll see you next week for Spartans. All right. Spartans, prepare for glory. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Nice. <laughs>